Is OG Ananobi a name Jazz fans should be thinking about? And Ben Anderson joins for the off-season interview series. It's all coming up on Locked On Jazz. You are Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. How are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider. This is Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz, giving you insight, expertise, geeky numbers, and hopefully making it way better to be a Jazz fan. Bleacher Report says Dame Lillard, Tyler Hero, and OG Ananobi. Those first two are names we've heard a lot around the Jazz. But Bleacher Report's added OG Ananobi. Let's talk about that today. Tough days at FIBO. We'll break down what's happening with former jazz players and jazz players. None of it very good, frankly. And Ben Anderson, KSL Sports, as well as this KSL Sports Zone, uh, a rising star in the local media, joins us for our off-season interview series. As I mentioned, I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA Insider. We are free and available on all podcasting apps on YouTube. Please subscribe, follow. Five-star reviews are much appreciated. Thank you very much to the everydayers who join us each and every day. And thank you for making Locked On Jazz your first listen of the day. Uh, Thanks again to Sarah Todd and Tony Jones. Uh, This week we will have uh, Ben Anderson on. And then next week, Thurl Bailey, Labor Day week. We'll have two shows, uh, Labor Day week for you. Um, And Thurl Bailey will join us. And then hopefully Tim Lacombe will join us the week after that. And then we'll add another one in there somewhere. And guess what? All of a sudden... um, We've got ourselves uh, an NBA season. We might, I might actually try to do kind of a broadcast roundtable fun with Thurl Bowler, uh, Booner, and something like that coming up in one of those weeks. So that's the plan. Uh, hope you guys have enjoyed those series. Please send out thank yous to Tony and Sarah for taking the time. It's, I greatly appreciate it. It is a lot of time. Uh, FEMA's been tough. Uh, obviously, uh, former Jasmine Howell Neto goes down with a patella tendon rupture. So that's prob- that could be the end of his career at this point. That's That one's just too bad. Um, you know, he had another, I think he was going to play overseas this year <clears throat> and not in the NBA. So we, unfortunately, one of our you know most liked guys I think anyone's ever been around, uh, and I know how much he loved playing for Brazil. Uh, former jazz man Rudy Gobert suddenly has had a disastrous FIBA as France has gotten upset and knocked out and after going silver medal uh, in the last international competition at the Olympics will uh, now play uh, will finish will not finish in the top 16 will not make the second round luckily for them the Olympics are in Paris so they're fine and they still make it Um, then Finland uh, looks to be on their way out. They lost to Japan. First time Japan has ever beaten a European country. So for Lowry Markin, and this will be a short stint in that regard. Um, and then uh, Jordan Clarkson and the Philippines, despite 30,000 people in the host town and all that, they lost to Angola. And then they now play Italy, just trying to get a win. And they're pretty much done. Italy's got a chance still. And Simone Fontecchio, but I think they fell the other day. So Kelly Olynyk leading Canada and playing great, and Canada's blowing people out, and Walker Kessler is not getting much time at all. Uh, recording this during the Greece game, he had not checked in yet in the fourth quarter when I'm recording this. Uh, I think he's going to get a minute or two. 
in the fourth quarter. They were up by uh, quite a lot, and I thought he would probably get in there just we're wrapping up. So um, as the USA routes it, it is getting a little interesting, by the way, <clears throat> and it's not a, you know, we we'll, we can slide through this, but there are only two automatic Olympic spots, and the Dominican Republic is in the Americas as well. And so as they've now won both their games, if Canada or the U.S. were to slip at any point here, uh, they could actually not get their guaranteed Olympic bid. Um, So anyway, it's not like, you know, Kelly Olenek is kind of advancing Simone, but this has not been a great stretch for our guys, at least in wins and losses. Jordan and Lowry are getting the experience being the man exactly as we expected. Um, And probably you would have hoped Finland beat Japan. You would have hoped that the Philippines uh, beat Angola. So this has been a little bit of a disappointing stretch uh, for both those guys. All right. Uh, Bleacher Report did a thing where they put the three players, uh, tr- three most likely trade targets for every team in the NBA. So after clicking through 29 screens so the Bleacher Report could get their uh, views, I got to the Jazz and it was, in one sense, it was the guys we've been hearing about. It was Damian Lillard, Tyler Hero, and then OG Ananobi was the third. And OG Ananobi's interesting for a few reasons. One is because Pascal Siakam was kind of the name we've talked about the most, but Siakam has announced I won't sign he won't sign an extension with anyone who trades for him, which is thus making it very difficult for anyone to tra- trade for Pascal Siakam. Everyone's still waiting to see what Musai Ujeri in Toronto is going to do here. They just it feels really strange that they're about to roll the same team back out. Scotty Barnes, I guess, replacing Fred Van Vliet. As the point guard playing Siakam, playing OG Ananobi, as Sean Woodley locked on Raptors talks about it. You know, they play a lot of six nine or six, you know, six seven roulette, um, six seven to six nine roulette with their rosters. Uh, and so OG Ananobi gets mentioned. OG Ananobi's interesting because as we've just kind of gone through, like the model here is you're trying you need to have a top ten player. You need to have like a top twenty player, which we probably have in Lowry. And you need a top 50 player and may or may not have that in Walker. Uh, probably Walker could be the fourth piece added on, or maybe Walker becomes top 50. We'll see. Um, and OG's not going to be top 10. And I'm not sure OG's ever going to be top 20. Like he, he is a fabulous basketball player. He seems to me more in the Aaron Gordon, Andrew Wiggins type add on to a championship level team. I watch him. I don't see necessarily a guy who the way a James Harden, or Mikel Bridges, maybe, or even Lowry Markinen, who, when if they suddenly got released, they suddenly have a lot more to their game that's going to allow, allow them to burst on the scene and suddenly kind of go bananas. That I got to be honest, I don't totally see that out of him. That's not. Um, I don't see a lot of wiggle. I don't see an awesome like cut on the jumper. Um, so I I I think you're getting an elite athlete who is an outstanding player. You know. Um, is probably the best athlete on the floor on most nights, and, and that there's great value to that. But I, I don't know that I think OG is a guy that's about to you know burst into the top 20 if he gets the opportunity. I do think one thing that we haven't talked about a lot with the Jazz that I, I think will is an interesting little twist on the way we think about trading is it's kind of my Zach Levine theory here. Like, I don't know that I think Zach Levine breaks us through to the other side. But if you look at the Donovan Mitchell trade, Cleveland gave up Colin Sexton and Lowry Markkinen and picks, right? So they gave away really a very, very good player in Lowry Markkinen. 
Um, the Minnesota trade didn't really have those same pieces. They had a little bit more than Malik Beasley, Jared Vanderbilt did. But I do sometimes wonder if we could make a move where we took our cadre of players that are all kind of of, of similar ilk. Colin, Taylor, Jay, Jordan, similar ilk. And if you parlayed them along with some of your picks into a, a more renowned player or just somebody who individually is probably the best of the group, is that better for your next deal, right? Like, so if you suddenly have Zach Levine and you have his contract and you trade Zach Levine to somebody to get the piece you really want, it feels like the other team can win that press conference better than and justify that deal more by getting a former all-star 22-point-a-game scorer than if they're taking on, you know, Kelly Olenek, Jordan Clarkson, and Colin Sexton in a deal. Um, that would be a weird deal because we'd be giving away a lot. of. I just was throwing out through names so that's the one thing i do think sometimes when you talk talk about our assets it's like it's what's our trade to get to point b that gets us to point c and and sometimes i do wonder on these og ananobis and zach levines and some of these players that have been mentioned whether maybe you should go grab them because if it works out super if it doesn't they're actually a a more desirable piece of the puzzle to move to the next team in the in the multitude of moves that's going to take for us to get uh, to where we want to go and, and where we you know where Danny and, and Ryan and Justin are trying to take us. So just a thought on that. Ben Anderson's going to join us. He's he's terrific. If you don't know Ben well, he's Ben Hoops on Twitter and he follow, he writes at kslsports.com, uh, Does great work there. And then he also writes. He also uh, is uh, the midday host with Jake Scott on uh, KSL Sports Zone. So really a rising star and excited to have him on the show for our interview series uh, for you. Today's show is brought to you by Murdoch Hyundai, located at 4646 South State Street, also located in Logan and in Linden. The Hyundai lineup of cars, just incredible. I'm driving one of their new Santa Fe's right now. It's a kind of a Sport X version. I don't know what they call it, but boy, it's it's zippy. It's fun. It's great. Uh, we have two of the Santa Fe's, uh, one uh, with each of the kids. And... Uh, this one is just kind of a newer model. Feels like it's a little tighter and zippier as they kind of continue to get these things, make them better and better. There's the Tucson and the Kona, and then there's the beautiful Palisade to wrap up the SUV lineup. The electric cars by Hyundai are killing it. The Motor Trend Car SUV of the Year is the Ionic 5, and the Car of the Year is the Ionic 6. Check them all out over at Murdoch Hyundai and get the Murdoch. Murdoch's no regrets policy over 80 years in Utah, giving you the best. Please email me first at dlock. 09 at gmail.com. That's dlock09 at gmail.com. So I can give you your VIP meeting that you get as a locked on every day or over at Murdoch Hyundai. This show is also brought to you by FanDuel, getting ready for the NFL season with incredible offers from FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers can bet $5 and get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed. Plus, all customers who bet $5 will get $100 off NFL Sunday ticket for YouTube and YouTube TV. Now is the best time to join FanDuel. The app's easy to use. You can do be on everything from spreads to player props and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to kick off your NFL season with an offer you don't want to miss. FanDuel, the official partner of the NFL, as well as official partner of Locked On, plus all sorts of NBA goods out there as well. Most improved player, MVP, coach of the year. Go put it down on Will Hardy if you think the Jazz are going to surprise uh, all sorts of great things over at FanDuel, the official sports book of Locked On, as well as the official sports book of the NFL. It is Locked On. Ben Anderson coming up next.
Super excited to have this guy on the show with us, Ben Anderson. You can read him at kslsports.com. You get him uh, with Jake on KSL Sports Zone. He has done a great job covering the NBA. Uh, super talk on the talk radio about NBA. So uh, I'm going to take advantage of profit off his brain and uh, have him on the show. So, Ben, thanks very much for joining Locked on Jazz. And let me, let me start off. Team 49 versus Team 50. Like, how different a year do you think Team 50 is going to be than what we had with Team 49? Uh, I think knowing an identity going into the season is a big plus. But then again, I don't know if they know their identity going into the season because John Collins is here. They had a starting point guard last year. So I actually think there were some strengths they had last year that won't be strengths this season and vice versa. I think there are some things they're going to be, you know, smarter about and easier. Uh, and, you know, Will Hardy going into his second year will be advantageous. But Mike Conley solved so many problems. Uh, it's hard It's hard to overlook how important that guy was. I said a couple of weeks into the season, and Andy Larson disagreed with me and ended up being right. But, you know, I said, I think Mike Conley still might be the Jazz best player. Uh, Lowry obviously was the guy. But you see how important Mike was, and you lose those types of players. They're really hard to replace. And Mike was super interesting last year because he was simultaneously obviously aging. Like, I actually think the last play he ever made for the Utah Jazz was a play where he was, like, dribbling on the left side of the floor, and his leg just actually gave out from him, and he lost the dribble. And, like, he just was, like, so on, so simultaneously he was aging. And simultaneously his brain and his knowledge and his smarts was like just winning basketball games. Like they were so good in the final five minutes of close games with him. And then when he went out, they were struggled so badly without him. So it's going to, you're right. That, that is probably the item that's been talked about the least. We actually haven't talked about much of anything with Sarah Todd. We haven't talked about with Tony Jones. And that is like, Hey, actually as much as team 49 finished without Mike Conley, they started with him and his identity kind of still stayed with the team all the way through. And, and that, you know, there's all sorts of questions like guard rotation, things like that and what this team does, but that veteran savvy that is Mike Conley, the one that Will Hardy talked about, like, oh, I just, I'm going to ask him questions. That doesn't exist on this team. And and that leadership does not exist on this team. Yeah, and it's not just starting. I mean, I, I know the cliche is it doesn't matter who starts, it matters who closes, and that's very accurate. I mean, I've talked to coaches who have said, you know, you can gather a young team and you can get five guys in the huddle closing a game, and two of them might be listening and two of them are looking into the stands, and one of them's probably watching the, the you know timeout entertainment. So you have a guy like Mike Conley who is going to listen A, and B has done it 100, maybe 500 times, I should say, in close games and knows how to close. That really matters. You know, I, you know, Chris Dunn might be the most experienced player on this roster, and how many times has he actually closed a game? Who's the player that's most intriguing to you this year? Who's the one who you're most interested in seeing? I mean, maybe I'll just go with the new name, but I'll go with John Collins because That's John what, Collins, yep. when he was good, was really, really good. And, and I know there's some system stuff there, uh, but he, he can be a very good player. And, and, you know, the question I've put out recently is who's the Jazz second best player? And if it's John Collins, is that a good sign or is that a bad sign? If it's Walker Kessler, is that a good sign or is that a bad sign? Uh, if John Collins is your second best player, it probably means he's rebounded back to probably where he was early in Atlanta. And if he's close to that, you, you can win with that. I think he helps you. I was surprised, David. I met him for the first time during summer league. He is he's all of six foot nine. He was, he was he, not he, he was not here in summer league. What do you speak of? He was huge. <laughs> he is a huge person. Uh, and there is a difference in that. You know, there are the six foot six guys yep. who seem to be six nine. And there are the six foot nine guys who are six nine, and John Collins is six foot nine, uh, and his hands are huge. He he will be 
a physical force uh, that this team will will use and take advantage of. You know, that's what the reaction I had to Lowry last year. Yeah, exact same thing. He did. I was like, oh my gosh, like this is an Adonis. This is like Michelangelo sculpted you in Italy. Like, where did you come from? All right. So John Collins was not on my list, and it's interesting you say that. I do think it's interesting on John. What I do think is interesting about John Collins is is when you play with what that, that in term heliocentric player. Like, I know that's kind of an in nerdy term in the NBA, but like Trey Young, Luka Doncic, those players. Your game really just has to adapt to that player. You you don't have a choice. You you have to adapt to that player. You don't get to play your game. We don't have that. So John Collins' game did become a little bit of sit in the corner and react and slice the baseline and get a and get a handoff pass. Trey Young's actually the best paint to paint passer in the NBA, which is stunning since he's six feet tall. What do you think we see differently out of John Collins in an offense that's not heliocentric around Trey Young? Yeah, I, I'm curious about a, a how he plays without a point, uh, at least to play a point guard who's as good as Trey Young is, uh, because Trey Young's fabulous and really is one of the best pick and rolls in the NBA. So if you can, that's going to be your strength. Uh, the Jazz don't have that, so I think learning how to play without a point guard is going to be important. And then I think also, what does he look like next to Kelly Olynyk? I think that's going to be a big question for me because I think those two are going to end up getting a lot of time together. And does he operate better with more spacing and more opportunity to just play near the rim? I mean, we'll, we'll get to the Kelly Olynyk thing as, as kind of the actually uh, on tomorrow's episode because I actually have that kind of set aside there. So I'm going to, I'm going to slide by that. Um, a little bit, if you don't mind, and, and circle back to because I do think it's a really interesting question. How you use Kelly Olynyk, I think, is a, a fascinating question. Yeah. My my most intriguing player is still Colin Sexton, and and maybe it's because okay. it's the player that I had the biggest change of heart on during the season. I kind of you know Will had that great quote during the year about the NBA is a bunch of guys sitting around talking about what a player can't do, asking them to do it and then complain they didn't do it. I don't know if you were there at that presser. You were probably all. So, yeah. Um, And I think I might've been that way with Colin a little bit. Like I just kept focusing on all the things he couldn't do. And then all of a sudden I realized all the things he can do and the things Colin does well, he does as well as like the best guys in the NBA at it. Like his dribble drive, his first step, his rim finishing, his getting the free throw line, his rebounding for a guard. Like he's really, really good at that. I'm curious if they can find a way to use them. I'm not entirely sure how it works with Jordan because I think they're a lot of the same things. But Colin is is the player that I'm most intrigued by this year. What is your thoughts on what his season could be? Yeah, I, I, the most interesting part is that he's now a year removed from this, this knee injury. I mean, he's gone through it for a full year, and I think that really matters. And I think historically you've seen some of those guys get extra time, get back on the floor. And now he starts trusting his leg a little bit, assuming there's no further hamstring issues. And I think that's a real chance to come back and be the player he was maybe early in his, his time in Cleveland. And then the question is, is that a good player? You know, the, the guy who did what he did early in Cleveland, does that actually help you win games? Can he be, you know, a second fiddle or a third fiddle on a team and still bring a lot of those strengths without losing some of the wild card aspect of what he brings, which is a valuable thing. I mean, I think some of these guys who can, you know, go off the beaten path and still have success can be a good thing, but does he know when to do it and the right time to do it? Because that is one thing I feel like Jordan Clarkson got a lot better at under Quinn Snyder. Uh, can Colin Sexton channel that same type of thing? I think that will be a big – that's the biggest question mark I have for him. But you know what? I mean, he's the second highest paid player on the team behind John Collins now. He was the central focus of that trade, I think. Maybe it was Lowry Marketing the whole time, but it certainly seemed like Colin Sexton was the name early on. 
so th there's talent there, and he's still pretty young. So talent-wise, he can get up there with just about anyone on the roster outside of Larry Markkinen. Uh, he definitely has a fascinating role, and I don't even know if he starts. You know, the funniest thing is when I look back on the season on him, like the part that got me was like, it's actually like only a 13-game stretch. That's that's what's maybe most intriguing, if I'm going to use that word on Colin. It's about November 13th to December 7th. He's rolling, and then the hamstring perks. And then it goes a second time, and then I just think everyone was so concerned about that. But, I mean, if you go back to that, like his early, no, late November, 20, 17, 21, 18, 19, 17, like night in, night out, I think it was – I looked back at that stretch earlier. It was like 15 points, two rebounds, four assists. It was 52% shooting. Like, it was just an interesting stretch to me where, and I and I think also there was like seven assists, six assists, five assists, five assists, six assists for a guy who had the worst assist to usage rate of any player in the NBA for two years. So that's a little bit um, of that. And, and that does lead to kind of the next question, which you teased beautifully. So we will discuss that. What is the guard rotation? Does Colin Sexton start? Is Jordan Clarkson a sixth man or a starter? Is Jordan Clarkson like kosher doing that? We'll talk about those things with Ben as we continue here on Locked on Jazz. NFL preview is out on Locked on NFL. So make sure you grab that. The college football previews are out by conference. Go to Locked on ACC, Locked on Pac-12, Locked on Big 12. Those are all out and available for you. So make sure you grab those on Locked on Jazz. Back with Ben. So let's get to it. What is your like? What is your guard rotation? I've been pretty steadfast, and I said this late in the year. And I know there's a million reasons why it's not the case, but I would start Chris Dunn. I, I just Every think, media guy would start Chris Dunn, except for me. I think he's the best perimeter defender on the team. He's got experience. He doesn't necessarily. He's not totally off the ball. I mean, I'm not going to pretend that he's a guy who's like Mike Conley. Like he does need the ball a little bit more than Mike Conley does because he's a little more like Dante Exum, getting downhill and needs to get into the paint. Because I don't believe he's a whatever 54% three point shooter or whatever he finished right, right, the right. season. Uh, I don't think he's quite that. But I do think you could. He could be the rare starter who plays 15 minutes a night and, and just kind of comes in and helps you set a tone, and is there in the right spots, and then hands the torch off, and then you can play a multitude of different players in that backcourt, however you want to do that. And I think you start that way, because I don't know if I'm putting Keontae George out there day one. Maybe he's good enough, and, and Keontae George might be good enough. If so he's good enough, though. So. What about starting Jordan as your point guard? Uh, I, I think I keep Jordan off the ball still. I think I like him at two. I don't like Colin Sexton as the starting point guard, and I don't like him next to Jordan Clarkson. So that's why I go with Chris Dunn. I mean, I just think de facto, that's where you end up. And I could see how you logically get there. He does have the talent. I mean, he was at what, fifth overall pick? Yeah. And he's very experienced and he's been in some big games, not a ton of big games, but he he's played for reasonable teams. He started seasons. So that's the direction I would probably go, knowing that if he loses his starting job midway through the season, I don't think it rocks the boat so much in the locker room that, you lose it because worst case scenario, he's gone at the end of the year or he accepts it. And he's a really good backup point guard. Like he was to end the season. Um, do you, I would still classify despite the 40% three point shooting Chris, uh, maybe because if in his last like eight games of the year, he took six threes. Yeah. Um, I still classify him as a non-shooter. Can you have two non-shooters on the floor at the same time? With John Collins, is that your other non-shooter? Oh, no, Walker Kessler was my other non-shooter. Oh yeah, yeah, of course, yeah. Walker Kessler can't shoot either. I mean, if Chris Dunn, uh, if John, and if John Collins is not a thirty-six percent three-point shooter, is a twenty-six point 
three-point shooter Lowry Markinen is going to be at a hot tub party in a really small hot tub with a lot of people around him all the time. Uh, let me ask you this. Is Colin Sexton a shooter? Uh, I probably was starting Jordan and Ochai. Okay. Uh, let me ask you a question. Is Jordan Clarkson a shooter? <laughs> no, he shoots. Jordan, he shoots. Jordan, he has Jordan, gravity. You have to guard Jordan Clarkson. He has, gravity. he has the Jay Crowder rule, which is he shoots enough that he has gravity somehow. Yeah, you have to guard Jordan Clarkson. Absolutely, yeah. you do. And 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 I would not, you know, some of Jordan Clarkson's poor shooting numbers, and, you know, he's still 33% on extremely high volume, uh, is that he took a lot of hard shots. He took a lot of difficult shots in an offense that I think more than Jay Crowder required him to do it. They weren't all four seconds into the shot clock. I don't have it up in front of me. I had a number last year on Jordan that was, there were two numbers I had on Jordan that were super interesting. His late shot clock shooting percentage is so bad. Yeah. Despite the fact that he always wants, he's always willing to take it, right? Which you got to admire. It's so bad. His other one is his pull up three is not very good. And if you actually eliminate those and just got him in a half court set and like you're rotating to him as a shooter or he takes it, it's actually pretty good. Um, Yeah. I was Jordan and Ochai because, and so my logic was, that Ochai had to be the one out there to defend the best offensive player on the other team. Someone's got to guard that guy. So you have that being Chris Dunn probably. Um, And then I was going with, you know, Colin or Talon or Keontae with the second two guard spots. I think that will be a game of musical chairs for a lot of the season. Six guys, six guys for four chairs. Yeah, I don't think Will Hardy's going to totally push Talon Horton Tucker out of the picture if he's still on the roster, you know, two months from now when the season starts up. And, you know, I we don't know what the roster's going to look like. If he's still on the roster, I think you're going to find an opportunity to play him. Maybe it's not every night. He didn't play every night last year, but right. you find opportunities to get him on the floor. Uh, and I think Will Hardy would still do that. I don't think anyone's going to be totally benched minus some of the, the young players. It is hard to find, like, when we talk about this guard rotation, like Tony Jones and I talked about this two weeks ago, like, or maybe three now, like it's, it is hard. Like it is six spots, four guys, it's four spots, six guys. And yeah, Will Hardy, I think is out of the Steve Kerr belief and probably a little pop belief that you, you, you don't, you don't just bury guys that there's no value to that, but it's, this is going to be a little tricky on how you get it going. And and the other one that's a little tricky, frankly, is that there are a bunch of guys here that are good enough. They could just hold on to the role. Yeah, that's the question with Keontae George. If if he's good enough right away and never loses it, you lose other guys because you're going to want to go 15 minutes, 20 minutes, 25 minutes, and then there's no there's no minutes for other guys. I mean, right. honestly, you literally can't play Chris Dunn at that point or you can't play Taylor Horton Tucker at that point because Colin and Jordan, assuming, again, they're both on the roster mid-season or later, they're getting 27, 28 minutes a night too. Yeah, no, it's 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 a tricky. Where are you on? What's your feeling on Ochai? Like I, um, yeah. What what's your feeling on on where you think Ochai is as a player and and what his his route is here? He's definitely a rotation guy. Uh, I would if you're starting Jordan Clarkson in your scenario, I would put Ochai alongside of him. Uh, I think he doesn't need the ball a lot, which is good. Uh, you've got a couple of guys then who don't need the ball a lot. I do believe in him as a shooter. I know his numbers actually probably still weren't as productive as they seemed in the second half of the season, but I do think he's going to be a very good shooter. He shot the ball very well uh, in summer league, and I believe in some of that. And then I really like the idea when he's the fifth best player on the floor. 
he can't ever be your best player on the floor. And that was a problem at times in summer league. But when you can allow him to be Ochai Abaji, which is, you know, off the ball, run in transition, stand in the corner, play some defense. I think he can be a helpful player. All right. Here's the most interesting one to me that I think on this guard rotation. And I, 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 this is definitely two media guys doing media things here. I have not talked to anyone. I don't know anything. I'm going to say, I'm not going to say I don't know anything because I first covered this league in 1993. And by 30 years, there's enough osmosis that just has happened to me that I've learned something. I haven't seen a lot of guys who start 61 games out of 61 games played who the next year to a player that's probably inferior to them is willing to go. Yeah, no problem. I'll come off the bench. Yeah. Like, I think this idea that Jordan's a sixth man worked when Donovan Mitchell was the player starting in front of him. And Mike Conley. And Mike Conley. But I I hear a lot of people talk, well, Jordan will just come off the bench. Really? Like, he has not said anything. He's totally a chill dude. I got all of those things. But Jordan, I don't think Jordan's walking into Zion's basketball center in late September thinking to himself, like, yeah, I'm going to go take that sixth man role. Like, Oh no, I'm the leading scorer on this team. Lowry and I are the two best players. And I'm starting and playing 35 a night. And that's why I resigned. That's that's my guess of where Jordan Clarkson is in his head right now. Now, maybe he's so Buddhist and so Zen and so chill, he'll just take it as it is. But I haven't met that player yet in 30 years in the NBA. Cause if you're that player, maybe you're not as like it the level. So what's your take on where you think Jordan is right now? I haven't factored Jordan coming off the bench at all. Okay. I just haven't at all. So you just, you're with me. I haven't thought about it. You, the fact that people are talking about it is surprising to me. I mean, I just, I haven't thought about it in the slightest. Okay. So you're, yeah, really- I, don't, I don't think you take it away from him. And he was good. He was good last right. year. Jordan was very good last year. Right. He, he did what you needed to, and he carried a big offensive load. And then you see if he's better at it the second year. So this is super interesting. I hadn't really, we're just kind of noodling here. But what you've really gotten us to is that to some extent, if we both pen in Jordan, then you're either penning in Jordan with Chris Dunn or you're penning in Jordan with Ochai Abaji. Like those are kind of like, this is narrowing the conversation that Tony and Sarah and I had over the last few weeks down a little bit. Like, okay, if you decide that this guy's in, Jordan's in, then, then are you doing Chris Dunn or are you doing Ochai Abaji? I, I would put on my development hat at that point and hope we would do Ochai Abaji. Okay. But I understand, I, but I also understand like the idea of like, you know what, actually, if you're going to run a team for 82 days, put out like the best team, like in Chris Dunn might be the best team. I, I got the concept. And it, I, I, I haven't seen the jazz have, depends on how you view John Collins. I think there's still a question mark there Four pretty good defensive players in the starting lineup. If you have Chris Dunn, Lowry's pretty good. If John Collins is okay, he's, I'm not expecting him to be switchy out on the perimeter, but if he can be seven or six nine with a pretty good wingspan, and then you have Walker Kessler, I, just, I haven't seen a long jazz basketball team ever. Right. So right. I, I'm pretty curious what that looks like, actually. Right. But you know what? Ochai does some of those things as well. Yeah, it's interesting. All right. Well, that's some progress. And then you got to figure out what you're doing with Talon, Colin, and Keontae and, yep. and whichever off the bench. Interesting. You know, I do think there's a chance Ochai can pl- slide down for some bench minutes off the three behind Lowry. That's like, there's a possibility there. All right. Good conversation. We'll look at the front court a little bit uh, with our 
the next day with Ben Anderson. That's day one with our friend Ben Anderson. You can catch him at kslsports.com. He's got the top 50 jazz players of all time going right now, which has been really interesting. And uh, the Howard Isaac, we'll, we'll discuss. Okay. Uh, and uh, also catch him with, with Jake Scott on KSL, the sports zone. He, we'll back with him. Ben's coming back with us for another day this week and locked on jazz. Uh, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Thank you to the everydayers. Thank you for making Locked On Jazz your first listen today.